much for joining us today on episode number 188 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking about the sexy components of recovery. It's one of those things that as runners, none of us want to get that excited about, but it is really one of the most important things in your training. So today we're talking about all the ways to recover and all of the benefits. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so today is all about recovery. It's one of those things that like a lot of people don't want to admit they need, but in reality, all of us absolutely need recovery. It is one of the most important components of our training, yeah. arguably. Yeah, I mean, there was a little while there where there was like a push of like brag about how how hard you recover yeah, on things. Yeah, the recovery brags. Yeah, like people were like taking pictures of themselves just like lounged out on a couch. But mm-hmm. for the most part, a lot of people are like, no, 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 I want to post about my workouts, how hard this workout was, look at my lifting session, mm-hmm. and less on like, I got in an easy three miles like, mm-hmm. that's just not as cool to say. Yeah, and I think that it, it is, though. Like, that's the thing is that it needs to be cooler to say that, right? Because recovery is one of the most important parts of our training. If we are actually going to reap the benefits of those harder days, recovery is 100% necessary and should be a very vital part of your training plans. You shouldn't just accidentally have a recovery day. Like, those recovery days need to be scheduled into your plan. Accidentally. I'm so exhausted. I need to have one now. Right, it just, or you it get fell so, into the schedule. Or you get so busy that you just miss a run. And then, oh, that that becomes a recovery day. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll talk about whether that was actually a recovery day or not. Right, exactly. The, the accidental recovery day is not not always a, an actual recovery day. Right, exactly, even if you don't run. So recovery, although it might be the less sexy and the less Instagram-worthy part of your training, it is actually one of the most important components because it is actually the period of time where your body starts to recover and adapts and makes those gains that you want to achieve, okay? So basically what happens is through our training, if you are following any sort of structured training plan, which you should be, okay? If you are a runner that is looking to improve, you should be following some sort of training plan that has some sort of structure, okay? So there are days that we are going to stress our body, right? We're gonna do runs, we're gonna do workouts, we're gonna do strength training sessions. That stress on the body is causing the ability to adapt, okay? When we challenge our body, we actually are trying to change our body, right? There's that old adage, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So on the harder days, you are actually challenging the body. You're asking your body to do something that it maybe it hasn't done before, or maybe it's just, just above that threshold of what you're capable of. Yeah, it's, it's pushing a little bit. And there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can push your body. Like you can run a little bit further than you've run before. You can run a little bit faster than you ever before. You can run a whole heck of a lot faster than you run before, but mm-hmm. you know, just do it for like 10 seconds. Right. But there's lots of different ways. So a lot of people go to further or faster to put a stress on your body. You can also just do like strength training to put additional stresses on your body, mm-hmm. which uses different energy systems, but also puts a pretty good stress on the body. Yeah. And inside of our Real Life Runners training team this month in March, it is strength and mobility month. So we're going to be talking all about strength training. So those of you that are on the team, we are 
are so excited to dive deeper into this with you this month. But yeah, we're all getting shredded. <laughs> yes, for sure. So physical stress can also come from strength training, right? Like Kevin was saying, you can do body weight strength training. You can lift weights, you know, some of them, you know, depending on what kind of strength training you're, you're doing, it could be lighter weights, it could be heavier weights, it could be plyometrics, kind of like jumping and more dynamic movements. There's a lot of different ways that we can stress our body through strength training. And we can also, depending on the type of strength training that we're doing, we can also combine strength training with cardio, like in HIT training, for example, okay? HIT would be high intensity interval training where you're working hard for a short period of time and then resting and working really hard for a short period of time and then resting, okay? So when you combine strength training and cardio, this might actually, you know, strain your body even more or for some people, it might make it a little bit easier because you're not lifting as hard, you're just incorporating some more of the cardio in it. Right, you're getting it this depends. this cardio combine, but if you're used to just lifting like slow and controlled and, and much heavier weights, then lifting big heavy weights, if it's the same heavy weights that you've been lifting for like the last month, two months, and you move to lighter weights, but on a more rapid movement, and you, you've got this cardio component to it, suddenly that's the big stress, even though the weight went way down. Mm -hmm. Or if you're used to doing body weights, but now instead of like more controlled feet on the ground body weight motions, now you add a jump component to it. Right. So instead of just doing squats, now it suddenly becomes a jump squat with the impact on your body adds a whole nother stress level. Right. And that's the thing is like stress is basically it's a change in what you're doing. So this is why we encourage people to constantly change up what they're doing, right? There's a benefit to doing the same thing over and over for a certain amount of time because you then you're allowing your body to adapt and those kinds of things. You're allowing your muscles and your nerves and the, the, the um, brain-body connection to, to strengthen. But then you have to mix it up before you hit that plateau because there, be, there comes a time where the body's like, oh yeah, I know this, I got this, I'm just going to do the same thing again, I'm going to burn the same amount of energy. And then the body becomes so efficient because our bodies are such amazing machines that they start to actually burn less energy. If you continue doing the same things at the same intensity, they actually start burning less energy than they did previously because they just become more efficient at it. Right, and sometimes that's actually what you're aiming for is to see how little energy you get the body to burn at that point. Yeah. But today, today we're on to the recovery portion of this, of once you've stressed your body, how do you then reap the benefit of it? Right. And it's... It's the other days. Like you don't reap the benefits and make these massive changes in your body from only stressing it. Like you have to go through the stressful stuff. Just putting your body into that state of like, hey, I feel like I'm out here and running. It kind of feels like yesterday and the day before and the day before. That's not going to change you. But going out there and just grinding it out day after day is just going to burn you into the ground. Right. That's not changing you either. You need this combination of pushing yourself into a position of stress and then actually recovering from it. I mean, it. it is changing you, but it's probably breaking you down. and Physically putting, and mentally. Yeah, like and putting you into that cycle of injury that so many runners find themselves in. So, so many runners go out and they just push hard every day they go out. And hard, you know, this is where I think some people get it mixed up is that they think, well, I'm not pushing hard. Like I'm just running like a medium pace. But that is harder, right? So we like to talk about 80-20. And for those of you that follow us on Instagram over at Real Life Runners – 
go check it out. We just put up a post this week about what is 80-20 running, okay? About how 80% of your runs should be done at lower intensity and 20% of your workouts should be done at moderate to high intensity. So medium is moderate. So if you're going out and running at that medium or moderate effort level or pace every single day, then that's that that should not be 100% of your training. Like yeah. you are going to burn out, you are going to get injured, you are going to plateau, it's just not going to end well. Right. And if you're combining like, okay, well, I've got, I did a workout this day, but then I combined it with a strength training hard session the next day, mm-hmm. but it was different because it was just strength. It was like, okay, but was it legs? Right. You know, cause that's like, that's back to back hard on your legs. Then you're going to go out and be like, okay. And then I just did moderate the next day. Cause I was kind of tired from strength training. Mm-hmm. So I didn't push it that hard, right. but you still pushed a little bit. Right. Or was the strength workout something that you hadn't done before? Like, were you incorporating new movements? Were you incorporating different types of weights. Maybe you're used to doing strength machines at the gym and instead you are working with dumbbells or um, like barbells or something like that. Like that's a whole different exercise, even if you're quote unquote doing the same exercise, right? Like if you're doing a squat and you have it very controlled with a barbell on like a squat rack, that's different than doing a squat with dumbbells, which is different than doing a squat with a kettlebell, which is different than doing a squat with just body weights. Like it's all a squat, but those different components change the forces and the effect on the body. Right. And then of course there's the most entertaining, the squat with one of your kids on your back. That is... (laughs) I think the best because they won't stay still. Or like the one in front of you. You remember when we used to um, wear those like baby carriers yes. and like strap the baby yes. in on front? Yes, squat plus baby Bjorn. That's Aww. that's the way to do it. Baby Bjorns. Those are so fun. So recovery is really the critical point where our body actually builds back from that stress and that breakdown because when we are running at moderate to high intensity or doing strength training or those kinds of things, the goal is to actually break the body down. We are not actually strengthening our body during those sessions. We are actually breaking the body down. We are tearing the muscle, okay? Micro tears, right? We're not, hopefully no one's macro tearing their muscle where you're actually just tearing through the muscle. Then you're doing too much clearly. But When you do the harder workouts and you do the strength training, you're creating little micro tears in the muscle fibers, in the tissues. And so so your body on the recovery days then comes back in to repair those and repairs them stronger than they were before. Because it's like, oh, okay, um, that was a load that I wasn't used to. Uh, It was so much that we're creating these little micro tears. So I need to strengthen this area so that if that same load comes again, we're going to be ready for it. Right. So training is simply the balance back and forth between stressing the body and recovering and trying to actually make some gains. But recovery is a really big, broad term. Right. And it comes in different forms. Recovery is not just off day. Mm -hmm. Like recovery has a lot of different ways. Kind of the the biggest way I think to sort of split this in half and where I want to go next here is the difference between active and passive recovery. Right. So what's the major difference here between active versus passive? Well, passive recovery is pretty easy. It's basically a rest day. Okay. So passive recovery is when you're not doing much, when you're not really doing anything, you're not really stressing the body. You're essentially just relaxing. So things like this um, include a rest day. This includes um, like a a bath. Like if you're doing like an Epsom salt bath, if you're just sitting and reading a book, if you're floating around in the pool, like these things all constitute passive recovery. Yeah, floating around in the pool is a good one. 
um, like 12 hours outside in the pool, probably not passive recovery. Not really. Yeah. Because that sun drains you. Exactly. Especially down here in Florida. Yeah. So you got to figure out what that is. It, like passive recovery is not just, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't run or lift today. I did six hours of yard work. That's also not passive recovery. Not passive recovery. Right. That, that would be either active recovery or possibly even a strength training day, depending on how hard that yard work was. Well, especially if that yard work included a lot of movements that you're not used to. Like, right. man, am I sore the next day? Well, mm-hmm. then yesterday wasn't an actual rest day. Yeah, like you were carrying loads of rocks from the front to the back because you were creating a garden or something like that. Sure. Or, or you were shoveling and digging up some bushes and planting new bushes. Like that's all, that depending on how your body is normally used to moving, that could be a total strength workout for you. Yeah, completely. So passive recovery, an actual rest day with very little actual physical activity. Right. So active recovery has tons of different varieties. So like we said, it can be like normal daily activities if they're something that are abnormal. I shouldn't say normal daily activities, but I guess abnormal daily activities like yard work or things like that. It depends, again, on the intensity of that. Um, But things like an easy run where you're definitely maintaining that level two pace, um, maybe even a run walk, maybe just a long walk, Um, any sort of non-impact cardio like the elliptical or swimming um, or biking, depending on how difficult that feels. Again, if it's an active recovery day, it's okay to do these kinds of things as long as you keep it easy. Yes, yes. Keeping it easy is is the key on all of these things is, well, I just got this new elliptigo and I want to see what it is. And so I'm going to go climb up a mountain on that or I'm going to go do intervals down. Like, no, it needs to be an actual recovery day. Right. The, that's the effort, cross training, that's but cross not training. necessarily active recovery. Right. And you can, don't, don't confuse active recovery and cross training. Mm-hmm. You can use cross training as a form of active recovery, mm-hmm. but if you've never done that activity, now it's simply a new stress on the body. Right. Like whatever it is, it's a new stress on the body. If you've never done it before, you can gradually incorporate that on a more regular basis. And something that was new a couple of months ago could now slide into the category of active recovery, mm-hmm. especially since it takes a lot of the load off in, in a lot of these cross trainings. Yeah, and that really brings me to um, the idea of yoga and mobility, right? Like I think I love yoga as an active recovery day. And there are different types of yoga, right? There are um, kind of more relaxing, more refreshing and restorative types of yoga where you're just kind of going through some mobility, you're going through some stretches, you're doing some um, poses, but you're not like holding them for an extended period of time. Um, this would not include like some of the forms of hot yoga if like, cause some of those get very intense, right? Like yep. your heart rate goes up, your body temperature goes up. Um, and especially if it's something that you're not used to, then that's a major stress on the body, right? Like a lot of people get very sore from yoga if they are not used to doing it because they're moving in different ways. They're using muscles that they haven't used in a really long time. That's no longer an active recovery day. Yeah, I get sore from watching you do yoga. So (laughs) adding yoga in is 100% not just active recovery for me Mm -hmm. um, unless I, I check myself. Like if I'm planning on using yoga, like during quarantine, we had family yoga a couple of times and I took it for what it was. I'm like, okay, the whole family is going to get some movement. We're going to do some activities here. I kept taking pauses to put the girls into appropriate positions Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I'm not going to hold that pose. That's going to be super hard. And I got to run tomorrow or I, I just had a hard run this morning or whatever it was. So 
I used it as a way to kind of actually increase mobility, but not to try and add extra stress onto mm-hmm. my body. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the, it's important to also notice the mental aspect here too, right? Because your recovery should also be mental. So for some people, just doing yoga, like I have a friend who hates yoga, right? Like she just like thinks that the whole concept is ludicrous. She doesn't like holding poses. She especially doesn't like it when people, you know, try to connect with her chi or her inner, you know, senses or your chakras. Keep your chi away from my chi. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, this is COVID. Just let's all keep our chis to themselves. Put a mask on your chi. (laughs) Put a mask on your chi. But like, so... Yoga, in that case, would probably not be a a recovery if you're sitting there the whole time, like, frustrated and annoyed by it, right? Like, how? what is your mental state doing that activity as well? Yeah, this happens a lot with walking also. If you're a runner and you just always run and now suddenly you're like, I'm going to go for a relaxing walk. That might not be relaxing if you're mm-hmm. thinking to yourself, man, I wish I was running right now. Yeah, it depends. Like, that, I know that that's, that's the case with me. Like, if we go for, like, a walk around the lake with the girls, sometimes that's a stressful activity as they're heading off in various directions and, like, chasing ducks and the ones... One's complaining because the, the other one's walking too fast and the other's complaining because the one's walking too slow. That's a very <laughs> stressful activity if I choose it to be. You know, I can just sort of be like, you know what? There's just some noise going on here from these shorter people and I'm going to enjoy the beautiful lake. Mm-hmm. But it could also be a very mentally stressful activity. Yeah, it depends on your state of mind, right? We also want to take a look at what the purpose of your recovery is, right? So whether you're doing active or passive, there's also a purpose behind it. So maybe you're just resting to try to just let your body like heal and recover on its own at its own pace. And then other types of recovery, you might be actually trying to speed your recovery, right? And make it a little bit faster and improve um the downtime in between those harder sessions. Right. Like if you're really trying to cram in several hard sessions and you want to come back and recover as quick as possible, then things like, you know, icing, massage, compression, things like that, these are going to speed up the recovery process. In theory. In theory. But they're also kind of going beyond what your body is normally doing to recover. So there are benefits to both of these. Right. And it depends on, again, your goal here, right? Like, and this is one of the things that you like to caution people with too, as far as like people like, oh, well, after a hard workout, should I jump into an ice bath or should I do this or should I do that? And it's like, you can, but it depends on what you're trying to gain from that workout, right? Like if you are just do, if you just did a hard workout and you really want your body to adapt and gain the benefits of that workout, then you should probably not try to get rid of the inflammation immediately after the workout. Inflammation is the way that your body comes in to repair the area. That's like your body's repair crew. Okay. You don't, you never want inflammation to get out of control. Okay. It it always needs to be controlled, but maybe you want to stretch that ice bath. Maybe you want to wait an hour or a couple hours before getting into that ice bath so that you kind of let your body start the repair process before you try to speed it up. Right. The last thing you want is to go through some sort of grueling workout and then immediately throw on all of these recovery aids so you don't reap the benefit from it. Yeah. Like as soon as you finish the hard running, let's jump into an ice bath, take a handful of anti-inflammatories, mm-hmm. and then get my compression sleeves on. Right. Like, well, okay, and you're going to feel recovered from that, but is your body actually going to be stronger the next time? Because mm-hmm. you took away all of the pain, you put, took away all the soreness, so the body didn't actually try to build back stronger. Right, and like, you know... 
after a long race like a marathon or an ultra or like a Spartan or like these kinds of things, you always see the people at the tents that, you know, there's the massage at the yes. tents and there's the compression sleeves at the tents afterwards. I mean, hey, that's just your race, right? So that's a great time to use those kinds of things to help your body recover so that you don't have to feel all of the soreness and the achiness afterwards. But if that is, if that was your goal race, right? I mean, I think that's the important thing too. Like it's a great tool to like use those tools. So say um, you did a half marathon. A lot of people will use half marathons as a build up to a full marathon, right? So if you're now jumping directly into compression sleeves, are you getting the full benefit of that half marathon if you're trying to use it as a workout in preparation for the full? Or would you want to like wait a little bit and to recover? Whereas if the half marathon was the end goal, then you're going to want to try to recover off of that as quickly as possible. Yeah, then you throw yourself onto that massage table, let them take care of you, some ice and compression sleeves. And what was that, the Jacksonville race? Mm -hmm. All time has ceased to have any meaning to me, so I don't remember what year that was even in. But (laughs) there was like a waiting list to sign up and get the like the fancy pants compression sleeves, like the ice compression sleeves that you you got into. It Mm -hmm. looks like a sleeping bag, but it also squeezes your legs. It Mm -hmm. looked amazing. But it was like a 30-minute wait. I'm like, I would like that, but I don't have time to just stand around here in pain and wait for that. I mean, you did, but we just just chose not to. Well, yeah. I had a bowl of soup instead, and then I hobbled over to the car. There you go. (laughs) So it just depends on what you're trying to gain, okay? So just keep that in mind. So now that we know the difference between active recovery and passive recovery, what should you choose, right? Like, how should you recover? And again, that depends on what you just did. It depends on your goals. It depends on all sorts of things. So number one, how hard did you just work? How hard was the effort that you just put forth? Yeah. Like, did you just take like your, your level and ramp just a little beyond where you've been before? Or did you just blow the doors off of it and like you were struggling to make it to the end? This kind of references back to your, your race suggestion there of like in the Jacksonville Marathon, I totally would have gone into the ice compression things because I blew up with miles still to go. Mm -hmm. Like I crossed the finish line and my calves were toasted. So I was, I was well past the, yes, I need a rest day. Like I needed some rest days after that one. Right. So if you worked really, really hard, the answer is you probably need a full rest day. If you just stress multiple or multiple rest days, totally. If you stress yourself a little beyond where you normally go, you might be able to handle active recovery. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that also depends on what that active recovery is going to be for you. And that's that's kind of slides into some of these other areas also of um, like what is your experience with recovery in the past? Like do you normally have active recoveries or would that even be a new thing? You okay. know? So like that, that can be a stress also. Like mm-hmm. if you're not used to running two days in a row mm-hmm. – putting an easy run in following a workout is now going to be much more stressful if you've never done that. That's a really good point. You know, like there's, there are some people that, um, you know, some friends of mine that are very experienced marathon runners that have run, you know, over 30 marathons and they like to put in like a shakeout day the day after a marathon, right? Like for some people, there's no way in hell they'd ever want to go out and run the day (laughs) after a marathon, right? Like they're barely 
they're just trying to like get around their house, right? But for other people, you know, going out and doing like a short two to three mile, super easy run, or even a run walk is really good for their legs. And that actually helps them to feel more recovered. So that depends on you and your experience and all of the ways that your body likes to recover and adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Your personal experience is super important on this one. Okay. One of the other things of how should you recover that you should ask yourself was the stress from a hard run or from a hard lift? Because changing the form of stress will allow you to recover. So if you just went really hard on a lift, you might be able to recover the next day with like an easy run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. And it, and again, this also depends on your experience level with both, right? If you are new to strength training and your body's not used to that, you're more likely going to be more sore after a strength day than if you were to just go out for a run, even including a a running workout. Like Mm -hmm. even if you were to do a speed workout that day, um, I know that you've had this experience, you know, like you can do speed workouts and your legs will be like tired or maybe like a little sore the next day. But after a strength session, something that you don't do, um, like, I mean, you, you do it, of course, like you do it as, as you need to, but you don't do it, um, excessively, right? Well, I also don't do it the same way that you strength train. It's different. If suddenly this, again, this was a good quarantine when the family had workouts together and you're over there lifting weights and I'm over there like, well, I guess in front of the girls, I should lift at least as much as mom is. Now suddenly I can't pick up my arms the next day. <laughs> like I'm the opposite of the kid from a Christmas story. It's, I can't put my arms up. Like it was so sore the next day. But it's a, it's again, it goes back to your experience with this right. of, yes, I can go out and knock out a running workout because I'm used to that. I'm used to those particular stresses and those mm-hmm. physical demands of the pounding, mm-hmm. but suddenly ask my arms to do a lot more than they're used to doing. And that was a, a strong new stress on me. Right. And it depends on what kind of strength training you did too. Like if you did like some core work or some hip work, that's going to be a lot different than if you just did like upper body, right? So on, on like what you might need to recover after that, like, can you run the next day? Should you take an easy run? Would you, would you be okay doing a workout? You know, all of those things kind of depend. Okay. So the next thing you want to take into consideration is what is your current fitness level and experience? Okay. So if you are normally used to working out six or seven days per week, a lot of that should be active recovery, right? Um, because like we said, going back to the 80, 20 rule, 80% of your workouts should be at a lower intensity. 20% should be at that moderate to high intensity. And that includes all of your cross training and all of your active recovery days and all of those things. All of that plays a role into that 80%. Right. So you really, if you're working out six, seven days a week, you got to take a look at those days and see how many of those are actually stresses. Mm -hmm. Are you actually hitting that 80, 20 balance or are you pushing and you're like, Oh, well, I mean, it's a different type of workout. So yeah, I mean, I know that I ran a workout on Monday and then I re- did a really hard arm lift on Tuesday, and then I ran another speed session on Wednesday, but they mm-hmm. were totally different. Yeah, that's three days in a row that you've really pushed a, a physical stress onto yourself. Right. You need some recovery built into that thing. Right, and if you're normally used to taking rest days or the passive recovery, adding active recovery can actually help to improve some of your base level aerobic fitness, right? Like if you start to add in like some very low level cardio, like an easy bike ride or a long walk or an easy elliptical, you can start to improve that base aerobic level um, more than 
just taking a passive rest day. Like maybe you're okay taking or adding in some active recovery days and taking away some rest days. Right. If you're used to working out like three days a week, slowly, gradually building in a fourth day. Mm -hmm. Don't just drop a fourth day that matches all of your other ones. Like if if you're doing five miles three days a week to just say suddenly you're going to be able to drop a fourth day of five miles might be too much. If you're at like 30 minutes a day and then you want to drop in a fourth day, you might be able to drop in at like 20 minutes, then move to 25. And then that fourth day might be around that 30 minute mark. You're going to want to be careful on adding in just an extra fourth day. Well, I think that it just depends again on your experience level, right? right. And, and how much you're already doing. Like 30 minutes might not be a big deal. Adding in an hour might be right? right. Like a lot of people like, you know, if they go to the gym, they like to work out for a full hour. Um, or, you know, if, if you're adding, if you want to add in a fourth day and you're deciding that that's just going to be like a nice brisk walk then that might be fine you know like you might be totally fine adding in a 30 minute brisk walk whereas a 30 minute easy run or easy jog might be a little bit too much and you might want to build that up a little bit or maybe you do half and half right like Kevin said if you want to start adding in um, another 30 minutes you could do like 15 minutes of jogging and then 15 minutes of walking right as long as that walking doesn't add additional mental stress on you because you keep telling yourself that you should be running the entire time well, I, I, you know what I've really started to enjoy walking yeah like yeah I, like I've been adding that in more um, now that I work from home and you know after I drop off the girls in the morning I'll just like I'll take the long way home right to make it like a more of like a two mile walk versus just like a one mile um, so I'll add in more there and you know for those of you that, that may, may or may not know, we are going to be adding a new family member in a couple of weeks. We're going to be getting a puppy, so we're super excited. Um, so I know I'll be taking some more walks with the puppy. Yes. Yeah. So I think I'll, some of them are going to be fairly short walks with the yes, puppy. Yes, well, especially while she's little. So, you know, again, so it depends here on where you're – where you currently are, what your experience is. Um, and then the final thing you want to consider, you know, when you're deciding if you want to do an active recovery or a passive recovery – um, understanding that the newer and the bigger the stress is, the more recovery you're going to need. Okay. So if you've just started a brand new training plan and you're doing workouts that you've never seen before, and it's stressing your body in totally different ways than you've ever been exposed to, it's going to, it's going to be more important for you to take more passive recovery, more rest days, at least at the beginning. You know, you can maybe take those passive days, those rest days, and then slowly make them into active recovery days, like slowly transition. But anytime you're you're taking um, big steps ahead or really changing what you're doing, um, it's going to be more important for you to focus more on that rest and recovery. All right, the, one of the big ones on this is if you're the kind of runner who's never really worked on strength training and suddenly you've made this this commitment to yourself, like I'm going to strength train twice a week. You might want to take one of your running days and just remove it. Like if you're like, I normally run. It depends run, on how many days you run. Right. I normally run five days a week and now I'm going to run five days a week and I'm going to add strength training twice. Consider pulling one of those running days off. At because, least temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it does not have to be a permanent thing, but you want to make sure that you're actually getting enough recovery from this new stress on top of it. Or make sure that your strength training is not super stressful, right? Like you can do strength training so that you're hitting the muscles that you need to hit. But, you know, I know that, the, you know, for the members of our team and a lot of our plans, I have a range put in. So I'll put in a strength circuit and I'll say do two to four rounds. So if you're brand new to strength training, 
two rounds is going to be where you want to start, right? Like you're not going to want to jump in with four rounds of this brand new strength circuit with movements you've never done before, you know, and start adding that in twice a week. Right. Unless you're super type A and it says two to four. And so the answer is I have to do four. Otherwise, otherwise people will be disappointed in me, Right. which is a whole different judgment thing and kind of where we're ending up on this, on this podcast. Maybe maybe the answer is one round. Completely. And that's, that could be okay too. So you got to be careful when you come up with new, very different stresses and the larger the stress is, physical and mental. Like if you're trying to figure out trying to get appropriate form and do a new, you know, a new strength routine and mm, like... Yeah. You're, you're sitting there trying to not judge yourself about, oh, my form's probably not even perfect on this thing. That's a mental stress on yeah. top of the physical stress of doing this. So you want to make sure that you're getting enough recovery to new, very new and very different things. That, that You make an excellent point. And this is one of the points that I'm learning in our, in the new puppy book that I've been reading too. <laughs> like when you're training new puppies, they have very short attention spans. And when you can when you're teaching them new tricks and new skills and, you know, all of these different obedience things that we're, we're going to be training, like they can only do that for a short amount of time, like 10 minute training sessions. And then that's it. They're toasted, right? Because they're focused so much. So same thing with us as runners. If we are trying to maybe change our cadence or change our form, that requires a lot of focus on like, what am I doing? How am I actually moving? What do I need to be doing? Like, and this is why, you know, you can go back a few episodes ago when we talk about running form in detail, we tell people don't go out and just try to change your cadence for your entire run, especially like on every run that you do. Like you have to do it slowly in little chunks so that your body can practice it and then you relax and you both relax from the physical stress of it and the mental stress of like having to think through it so much. Yeah, besides the fact that you would just shred your calves, you're also going to be really mentally stressed out if Mm -hmm. you keep losing your appropriate cadence. And counting through an entire 30, 40, 50 minute run (laughs) sounds awful. I was talking to one of our, one of our team members about this the other day. And, you know, she was like, you know, I'm really concerned about my cadence and I, I just don't, you know, it's, it's really, really low. And I said, well, what is it? And she told me, and I said, well, you're doing like a walk run, right? And she's like, yeah. And I said, so it's taking the average. Yes. You know, like your running cadence and your walking cadence, it's taking the average. And she's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I go, so you need to just focus on what your running cadence is, you know? And she's like, well, how do I do that? Do I just like start a run and then just run and then just stop it and then save it? And then so that way I can just know what my cadence is just for the running portion. I said, yeah, you could do that. Or you could just count. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. I tried doing that. That, that. She goes, I, I lost track of it so quickly. I don't know how you do that. And I was like, well, I mean, you could just count for 30 seconds and then multiply by two or 15 and multiply by four. She goes, yeah, no, I didn't even get that far. She's like, it just, it took, I started counting and then I was questioning, did I miss a step? Am I counting the left one or the right one? I'm not sure what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so yes, there can be a lot of mental strain associated with some of these changes yes lots of lots of mental stress (laughs) changing your cadence is not the easiest of things it's not that's why like we're we're careful on prescribing of when when it's actually a worthwhile thing to do absolutely absolutely so you know when we think about all of these things we want you to always go back to the bigger picture okay running is a journey you do not reap the benefits of your workout 
on the day that you do that workout, okay? So whatever day you're doing, maybe you've got quarter repeats, maybe you're doing a tempo run, that's not the day that you're getting stronger. Like maybe mentally, like for sure, right? Like those workouts, especially for me, tempo runs (laughs) can build a lot of mental strength, right? But even those really fast speed sessions, right? Just being able to push yourself through a speed you know, at a pace that you don't think that you're able to hit, like I've got my mile time trial coming up and it's like, that is just mentally even thinking about it. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, it's how am I going to hold that pace? Right. It's, it's mentally taxing. And of course it's physically taxing. So you don't actually reap all of the benefits of your workout on that day. You need at least 10 days to gain the physical rewards of that workout. And depending on what the workout is, like 10 days is about as fast as you get it. Right. Like it depends on which sort of um, energy system you're trying to work with in the body, but you really don't reap the benefits of any of the workout, even by the end of the week. You're like, oh man, I had a good one on Tuesday. I should race really well on Saturday. Nope. You should race really well the following Saturday. When you finally actually reap the reward from it. Mm -hmm. And that's at the earliest that you might be able to reap it. Sometimes you, these benefits kind of just stay hidden and they're just sort of like building slowly and slowly inside of you. And then months later, you've got this miraculous breakthrough race and you're like, man, what did I just do? What you just did was six months of consistent training Mm -hmm. and you're finally seeing those rewards. Maybe you had a mental breakthrough and you took the walls down. You took some of the limits that you were putting on yourself and you let all of those benefits, all the physical benefits that have been building out finally come out. Yeah. Like that might be what actually let happened. the floodwaters loose. Yeah. You really were just like, <laughs> actually, I, I, maybe I'll give it a shot and try and run this fast and just see what happens. And you came into it with that curiosity mindset and you let all of that, that actual physical benefits mm-hmm. finally pay off. Right. You know, one of the things that we all really want is this beautiful linear improvement. Wouldn't that be nice? Be so, so I easy. I put in the work, I go up a little. I put in the work, I go up a little. Like, yes, sure. Even, even stair steps. Like yeah. I want to see my physical benefit as though I'm climbing stairs. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly I'm good what with that. I do. Yeah. That's what we all want. And it would be super convenient, but it doesn't like it, it kind of, looks like stairs in that sometimes there's some plateaus and then you'll make an actual step up, but then sometimes you'll make a step backwards and then sometimes you'll make a bigger step up. Mm -hmm. So it does look sort of like steps, but not like a normal staircase. Right. And it depends on what, you know, body system you're focusing on too, right? Like there are some times that maybe you're training for a longer race, like a half marathon marathon. Maybe you're training for a shorter race, like a 5k or a one mile, you know, or a 10k. Um, it, It just depends on what you're training. Right. So different energy systems are trained in different ways and it might appear that your fitness is going down when in reality you're just more well trained for a different distance. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell myself right now. Yeah. Like when my longer runs are feeling harder, I'm like, I'm not training for a longer race right now. I'm training for a mile. That's a much different system. That's a much different training. So, you know, in, in a way it does make sense that my longer runs aren't feeling as easy as they used to. Right. That makes complete sense. Like this was, um, in one of the, the coaching, the training books that I've, I've gone through, they're like, there's, there's a, a level of like trying to measure, you know, the magic VO2 max. Yeah. People have watches that tell them what it is, but there's different ways to train it and change it. And it's really questionable of whether you can actually legitimately train it. And depending on what race you're aiming for, mm-hmm. whether you want to, Yeah, like 
if your watch tells you, oh, you went from like, you know, a 35 to a 37 to a 39, but your your actual race times didn't change, yeah. are you actually fitter? Does it actually matter? Right. Does it matter? Mm-hmm. Is that actually a number to chase after? And it depends on what kind of race it is. Like there are definitely body systems, like you just said, it seems to be more difficult for you to go off in a long run because you're trying to not focus on that. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you don't need to have crazy stamina on the back end of an hour for a race that's going to take way less than 10 Mm -hmm. like you need to have stamina because you have to hold on for you know the the last five minutes of the mile because once you're a minute in it's already starting to kind of sting a little bit and you have to have (laughs) some endurance i'm sorry i said it out loud um But so you have to have some endurance, but it's a different endurance than being able to run like a half marathon Mm -hmm. where you just have that like mild, this doesn't feel good sensation. And you just kind of roll with that sensation for a long time. The sensation for the mile pace is much more than a mild. No, no, it's uh, very, very acute. Yeah, that's a very (laughs) cute, acute kind of pain that's starting to stab you in all sorts of different places on your body. Um, But yeah, so I think that that's really important. I think that this is something that even I'm, you know, tackling right now because I am seeing like, you know, why are my longer runs, you know, seeming harder right now and that's because that's not what I'm training for and so it's it's telling myself that it's accepting that and and those of us that are runners especially if we have been training for longer distances I think it's easy for us to just expect that like well that those should just feel easy yeah. right like and and why is it feeling so hard and then we start to question ourselves like maybe I'm not in as good a shape maybe I'm not going to be able to hit this goal like we start to we can go down that negative spiral if we allow it, right? Or we can try to stop that thought pattern and say, okay, wait a second. Let's remember what I'm training for here, okay? The focus right now is not on my 10-mile run, you know, or my 6-mile run. The focus is on one mile. Like, how fast can I do that? Right, and so because of that, you're naturally kind of moving away from the long run. So to bring it back to the to the recovery topic here, yep. suddenly you're used to, in general, heading out around 10 miles or so on a weekend long run. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a somewhat of a stress for you, but you've gotten so used to it mm-hmm. that that distance at the pace that you normally run it at is not a huge stress anymore. Yeah. But because you're no longer training that like higher, longer aerobic system, as much that you're emphasizing other things now suddenly a long run is more stressful well now you've got to recover more off of a long run than you may have a couple of months ago but i think it's also the increased intensity the high intensity speed that i'm doing i don't realize how much stress that's putting on my body that i actually need more recovery time for because those are actually shorter workouts right like the the speed sessions that I'm doing in, in training for this mile are much shorter bouts than, say, tempo mile repeats or those kinds of things, um, or like a 20-minute sustained tempo of, you know, those are the types of workouts that are more common with half marathon training. But these mile workouts are much shorter, much faster, much more intense, and so the distance is much shorter but the intensity is so much higher so in my mind I'm like well I only did like three or four miles yeah but it was three or four miles with like two miles of really high intensity speed work that's gonna take some recovery time and it's hard when you're in that higher mileage mindset to kind of shift it over to understanding the different need 
for recovery that your body has. Right. It goes back to the big lesson of whatever the newer and bigger the stress is, the more recovery you need. Mm -hmm. In this case, hitting those real high intensity workouts, even though the distance is really short, the intensity was much higher than you were used to. And so that is a substantial stress and you need to make sure that you're recovering appropriately. Absolutely. So overall, we are encouraging you to embrace recovery as a key component for being an athlete and as we know, runners are athletes. So in order to be a runner, especially a real life runner, you need to embrace recovery as the path to improvement. Okay. Don't just say like, oh, it's a necessary evil. Like I really hate that term. Now, you know, the more that I think about mindset, the more I learn about the thoughts and the, you know, how thoughts create our feelings and all of the the things surrounding mindset. Just that idea of it being a necessary evil, we're telling ourselves that this is not a good thing, right? Right. Like, I have to do it, but I don't want to, and there's really no benefit. Like, we're calling it an evil. Like, no, it's the same thing as, like, the treadmill. Like, how blessed are you that you have a treadmill that allows you to run in the dead of winter in Minnesota? Yeah, Like, let's reframe these kinds of things, you know what I mean? Like, so don't just say, like, oh, I have to recover. Like, oh, God, I have to take an off day. Like, be like, yes, it's an off day. Like, I mean... Any of your non-running friends would be pretty darn excited about that, right? (laughs) I mean, like, let's get more on the level of, like, the quote-unquote normal people. Yes, yes, the normal people. (laughs) It's like when I talk to the throwers on my team of, like, Coach, I don't know how to talk to you. You like to go out and run for over an hour. I don't like to run the one warm-up lap of the track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. (laughs) Right. And so it's important to just remember, okay, recovery is necessary and it's a beautiful thing, right? Um, Because you are a runner, you are an athlete and stress and recovery need a balance, okay? So it's important for us to have stress and to have harder days and to have those hard workouts that challenge us and break us down. And then we need the recovery to allow our bodies and our minds to also build back up. Up and make us a stronger runner and a stronger athlete in the long run. Yeah, I mean, the same thing happens in our lives, really. You need some actual stress in your life if you're trying to improve and grow as like a person, but mm-hmm. then you need some actual downtime and recovery. And right. sometimes that's literally sleep. Sometimes that's some quiet meditation, some reading, whatever it is. Anything that you're trying to actually improve your body, physically, mentally, whatever aspect, you then need some downtime and some time to recover. Yeah, and time to absorb it all. Yes. Right? And and time to just be and absorb and just be open to all of the different changes that you're putting your body and your mind through. Excellent. Amen. All right, you guys. So that's what we have for you today. We hope it was helpful. As always, we appreciate all the time that you spend with us. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes um, and leave us a review because it helps new people to find us. Or if you think that this episode would be helpful, maybe you have a friend who is prone to overtraining and doesn't like to take rest days and recovery days, hit that little box that has the little arrow that you can share to it. You can share it via text message or email, um, or you could share it on any of your social uh, media outlets that you like to be on as well. So if you think that this episode would help someone in your life, please feel free to share the love um, and bring more people over so that we can help create a world with healthier, more consistent runners that aren't plagued by injury and all of the negative things that can come along with that. So as always, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 188. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, 
you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.